Can I hear an amen from everyone? Gosh, isn't God good? Wow. Sweet. Isn't he, Chad? Lord, we thank you for your presence. Everybody just take a deep breath. Just ask the Lord to speak to you. Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, take us further, right? Lord, take us deeper, right, church? Mm. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you, Lord, that uh, we are your sheep, and your sheep hear your voice. And Lord, you've been speaking multiple ways to multiple people today, so many people getting words from you, God. It's um, some corporate, some personal, some individual but Lord, I thank you that you're a God that speaks to your people. I thank you that we're a people who hear your voice. And I thank you for every church in this city, in this region, Lord. May they hear your voice today. Father, would you visit every church in our community, in our region. Raise up a people in this region, God, who are passionate, aggressive lovers of you. And so, Father, we just speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Love your God. Draw near to God. Get ready, get ready to this region. Region, get ready for the Lord and his visitation in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we're asking even for a visitation here, that, God, you would visit every person this morning, that you would speak to every heart today, specifically how you want to speak. So we just open ourselves up. Lord, we come expecting great things this morning. So Lord, we honor you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray for the, the anointing on your word today that it would fall upon wonderful, fertile soil that will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. That it will change our lives that we will hear your voice, and we will say yes. So, Lord, we love you, we honor you, and I just thank you, God, for your presence. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen, good. Amen. Well, I'm really excited about sharing the word this morning. Uh, you know, we've talked, you know, I've preached three or four messages on our mission statement, and we want to continue on that. I'm not going to be the only one that shares on the mission statement of New Covenant Worship Center, but I kind of felt like I wanted to back up just a little bit and, um, and just really uh, encourage our hearts. Um, about, about in October of last year, um, I really felt, we really felt led to have Denny Kramer come and just speak and prophesy Instead of to the whole church, which really I struggled to not to do, but to do just to the ministry team and, to, and, and just specifically to certain leaders within the church. And not to exclude anyone, but we felt like God was trying to give New Covenant a boost prophetically on the purpose and the plan for this church. And, um, and Denny said, well, if you do that, just keep it to 12 people. So that's why we didn't invite the whole church. And, and Denny just said, bring 12 people. 
And I, all of you, I would have loved to have included in that, but specifically we just did the ministry team. The ministry team it consists of those who um, are leading an aspect of ministry and managing people from children's ministry to youth to, to the, um, theof- not theophostics, but emotional healing uh, to youth ministry, all, all the different ministries where people are leading aspects of ministry. When Dennis was here, he prophesied over me, but he wasn't just prophesying over me. He was prophesying over this church, and he was declaring some things, and Thomas shared some of that. And I want to I go back to that because as we go into the mission statement of New Covenant Worship Center and why we exist, some of these prophetic words are just the confirming uh, word that we want to continue to get in the atmosphere. We want to continue to declare prophetically over this church in this region because God is wanting to do something powerful. Can I have an amen on that? And so some of the get readies that Dennis Kramer, who is a seasoned prophet of the Lord, said, and I'm going to just go over them briefly before I get back into the mission statement. He said this, he said, get ready, get ready, get ready. He said, get ready to be a greater voice in this community. How many believe that? He said, get ready for articles to be written by you and about you. And he even said, any press is good press. And we've had a little bit of that already. He said, get ready for a new way. Basically, he said that the way you've done it in the past has served you well, but I want there's going to be a new way of doing things. He said, tell everybody to get ready. No dead weight. No one lagging behind. Get ready for a group of believers in this house who will press in to the purpose of God that he has destined us to. He said, get ready for the schools to be visited by God. Get ready for a more for a move among students in this community. Amen. Teenagers, you ready for a move in the schools? Get ready for the deadest denominational churches in town to be awakened as I visit them through my angels and through dreams and visions. Get ready. I have targeted Newcastle to be a hot spot for what I want to do, not only in Indiana, but also in the Midwest. Get ready for some spontaneous gatherings. Get ready to call some solemn assemblies. Get ready for even your schedule of events and meetings will come as a surprise to you. (laughs) Get ready, he said. There is a visitation coming. I'm going to visit you guys. I'm going to visit this house. I'm going to visit this place to get ready. So get ready. So get ready. They will pull up in your front parking lot and they will fill the front parking lot. So get ready, get ready. My visitation is coming, says the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of that prophetic word. Amen. Amen. And so the get readies have been on our hearts. The get readies of preparing us, leaving no one behind. That there's going to be a people who rise up within this church. And he said, uh, go with those who go with you. He also said that's not in that prophetic word. And so what we're trying to do is, no, I'm not going to say what we are doing, not trying. What we are doing is trying, no, what we are doing is putting steps, putting steps of faith to prophetic declarations of knowing who we are in Christ, what he has called us to, and not being apologetic 
for the very personality of who we are, the very nature of who this church is, but declaring it loudly, declaring it prophetically, and getting along and saying yes and amen. We're not going to try to do it. We are going to do it. When you say try, you leave a way of escape to not fulfill purpose. I'm going to try to exercise. No. I'm going to exercise, right, Chuck Cooley? I am going to exercise. I am. That dude made my, my legs painful for two days. I couldn't hardly walk. <laughs> Sitting on the john was a struggle. I will. I will exercise. I know, too much information. Sorry, guests. That's just who I am. I'm real. I sometimes hold nothing back, so I'll try to be careful with that. But again, there's this call and this purpose on us as a church. There's a call and a purpose on your life, and you're a part of that. And so I've been talking over the last several weeks about love and what radical, passionate, aggressive lovers look like. And we've, we've been uh, assaulted by the Word of God saying, wow, we don't quite love that way. We want to get there, don't we? We want to love that way. And so there's a lot the Lord wants to get in our hearts. And I just pray today, as I share a little bit more about the mission of this house, I pray today that it will get deep inside your heart and that you will be a multiplier and a declarer of the same mission and that you will take ownership of the mission. Can I have an amen on that? I want to remind us, and I'm going to go there a little later in this message, but Ephesians 4.11 says this. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. Everybody say work. work. Ministry is work. It's not equip you for, and it is fun too, but work is work. Is driving your truck work, Chad? It's work. Ministry is work. And we are all called to the work of the ministry. Can I have me? We believe in the priesthood of all believers, that every one of us have a place in this. Amen? And so let's, I'm going to pull up. If you could go ahead and start the PowerPoint. I don't know if it's up. We're going to again read this together. This is the mission statement of this house. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. And we're going to declare it together. Would you guys read it with me again? We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise God. That's who we are. And the process of getting there, we may, it, every one of us have a different piece of the puzzle. But to get to that, we need everybody in that process. But I want to concentrate on the first four words of this mission statement. We are raising up. That is going to be my message today. 
And that is where I'm going to camp today on four simple words. We are raising up. We've talked a little bit about the radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and lovers of people. We've talked a little bit of that. Tom's going to share some next week on this mission statement as well as we kind of continue to unpack the mission statement. But we're talking about we are raising up. And so I want to advance this. There's four words of we are raising up. What is the word we mean? <laughs> we is a pronoun. Everybody say we. We bees. We be raising up. We is a pronoun, and here in the Webster's Dictionary it says, we is used by a speaker to refer to himself and one or more other people who consider themselves together. So me being the speaker today, I am making a declaration when I say the mission statement, we are raising up. I'm making a declaration that we're together. I being the speaker and you being the part of the together. And so that statement starts with the very thing that we're assuming that we're all together. That this is a team effort, that it is a we, the pronoun we, together. And so, I, 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 so my question this morning as we start into this message is, are we together? Are we together? You know, I'm going to tell you a story. Last year sometime, um, my wife had asked Rachel Platts. Rachel uh, serves in our Fireflies ministry, and she is a teacher back there. She teaches 18-month-old to 4 years old. Is that correct, Karen? 18-month to 4 years old, Fireflies? 3 to 5. Okay. See, I need to get that down. 3 to 5-year-olds. And she comes up with the curriculum and and she does an amazing job of organizing teachers in the area of fireflies. And many of you help and teach back there. But she is dedicated to raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Can I have an amen on that? How many are thankful your children are being taught back there, right? And so Karen had asked her last year sometime to share a testimony on family worship about, about youth or children's ministry. And so Rachel, when she was in that, I'm going to read some of what she said. She emailed me because I wanted to make sure I got it right. And what it, she had, just before coming up here and sharing a testimony about our children, she said, the Lord gave me a picture or a vision. And in my mind, I saw these large stacks of poker chips on a table. And she, could, she said, I could hearly clear God saying, are you all in? She said, I knew at that moment that the poker chips represented the areas of my life, my church, my marriage, my children, my family, my friends, my work. God was asking me, am I all in? She knew God wanted it all. And if she was going to go with God where he was calling her, that she had to be all in. Not partially committed, but all in. So by faith that morning, she saw herself pushing the chips to the middle of the table and declaring, God, I'm all in. No back doors, not partially committed. 
I'm all in. She had made a de declaration by faith. Of all those areas of my life, God, I'm all in. The Lord brought that to my heart. And she has been faithful to develop curriculum, as I said earlier. And month after month, year after year, week after week, she serves sacrificially back there for the mission of this house to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Now, I could take that and I could multiply that by a hundred of names of others who are committed to the mission and the call of this house. They are committed to radically raise up people from the next generation. We have more people now in this house doing sacrificial serving and, 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 and working for the mission as we've ever had. In the history of 19 years, coming this June, Nineteen years this June, we have more people who are surrendering and sacrificing, and a part of the cause of we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God from the next generation. Hallelujah. And we need more. Can I have an amen on that? But I want to ask, if I look at the pronoun we... Again, are we together? Is everybody all in? And here's the truth, is not everybody is all in. We all have areas of our life that we reserve for the Lord and we reserve for ourselves. <laughs> not all of it's in. Can you have it? Is that true? But I want to go on a little further with this about what is together. What does it mean? Because I want to paint a picture today of what it means to be together and what it means to that we're all in this. Can I have an amen on that? So what does the word together mean? Together means to be with each other. It means to jointly fit. So you can just imagine your hand. How many joints are in your hand? There is a bunch of joints in your finger. 105, somebody just said. Probably pretty close. And if those joints don't work, what happens? You're not able to pick up that coffee cup at Cafe Royale. You're not able to make those flowers at the flower shop at Maryland Flowers, right? You can't do what you need to do, right? Advertising, free advertising. <laughs> jointly fit together. My hand jointly fits together in a proper way. Anybody glad they got a hand? Anybody glad your ankle's not seized up? How about your back? Anybody here glad they have a back that works? How about legs that work? Yeah. It's partnership, side by side, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, in relationship or agreement. A condition of unity or unison, like a concert. And that prophetic word I remember years ago when Denny was here and his wife was here and that gentleman he brought, and he said, the Lord said, I'm going to give you the score sheet, the music that you're to play. Symphony, unison, unity, one accord. We are to be together in this mission. 
we are to be together in this mission. So the question is, is we are we together? Now, I want to paint another picture. I talked about Rachel a few minutes ago. Now I want to bring it back another prophetic warning that we had probably six to eight years ago. Six to eight years ago, I'm going to paint a picture, and I kind of want you to get in your mind's eye this picture, because Brother Ron Gideon, who used to go to church here, maybe I need to get back on the platform, I'm ringing. Ron Gideon was a prophetic brother here at New Covenant that relocated back down to Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, he was a great brother. He has been since went to be with the Lord last year. But this prophetic dream he had, man, I'm telling you, it has been a lifesaver for me. It has been, a, it has been a, like an anchor uh, for me in my own heart. And in this dream he had, he shared it publicly, and we've shared it many, many times. But if you can just imagine a gorge, a, a valley, if you would, and, and high cliffs on the right and high cliffs on the left, in this dream, he saw this church advancing. He saw this church arm link to link, arm to arm. And we were all in three rows, three rows. And we were all linked arm to arm. And it says we were going through this valley. We were going through this gorge together. And as we stayed together and as we kept our arms linked, arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, side to side, and as we advanced as one church, one body, and as we moved through that gorge, Satan was over on the other side. Man, I'm sorry. I like walking around, but something's not working. And so as we did, as we progressed, Satan began to retreat. The enemy and darkness began to flee. As we continued to advance, row by row, the church moving forward towards the mission of God, Satan began to retreat and began to run. He began to take tail and take off. How many want to see the demonic take tail and, and leave? We are going through a season right now of deliverance right now in this church. There are many people getting free. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they're making a choice to get free in their life and to shatter strongholds and to bring up, bring up mountains and bring down valleys. And I'm excited about the freedom that I'm seeing people get. Don't be left behind, by the way, in your freedom. Get it, whatever it takes. I don't care if you have to spend $1,000 to go down to RTF or you have to come up here at the church and lay prostrate before the Lord for six weeks. Do what you got to do to get free. If you need to go live with Alger, go live with Alger for a while. (laughs) I just felt the Lord on that. Anybody else? And then when you get done with Alger, go over to Chad's and ride in his semi with him. Because we have people here carrying freedom and deliverance in their back pocket. We have powerful people here at this house. And they're getting more powerful and they're getting more free. But in this dream and in this vision, as we stayed together, the enemy was retreating just like he is right now. The enemy is retreating just right now. He knows we're here now. This city is starting to know we're here. We've been blinded, and people thought we were just a little crazy, a little quirky, and a little maybe even cultish. No, we're not. We're aggressive, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Advancing the kingdom of heaven. Radical in our worship. Radical in our declarations. Radical in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Radical in those things that bring the power of God to a city who is dark. 
to a city that is broken, to a city that is broken with drugs and all kinds of garbage. We have an answer to that stuff. And it is the power of God. And so we're not going to back down from the power of God. Can I have an amen on that? But no, we're going to advance in the power of God as we begin to understand who we are in our identity and our value in him. So back to the dream. I'll get there. Get ready to camp today, guys, okay? You might be late for your roast, okay? I've got a family gathering in Indianapolis today, too, so we'll get there. Oh, praise God. So where was I at? Come on, ring the rabbit back in. So at any rate, the dream. So as we were advancing, the enemy was retreating. But as soon as we got our eyes off of the mission and where we were headed, and we started looking at each other, and we started looking at what was wrong with each other, or it was a little different than the way you are, and we started ranking rank, and we started not being hand in hand, not being in unison, all of a sudden, the enemy turned and started coming at the church and attacking the church from the inside. And it began to break the unison and what God was doing, and the enemy actually started turning. And I say, in the name of Jesus, he ain't doing that. <laughs> we got to get this we thing together. Now, here's where I'm going to go today because every one of you have a different piece of the puzzle. And here's what I find from a, a higher perspective as I see the body of Christ from a, from a different perspective than maybe you do or maybe you even see it different than I. But here's the thing that I see is because our gifts are different, because we express the gift that we are differently, or a truth differently, we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater when somebody doesn't quite line up with the way I see the Word of God or the way I see things should be done. And so as we're advancing for this mission of what God has called us, how we get there will be different for every person. God will fine-tune who you are, your gift, and he will have you maybe even do it differently than Pastor Eric does it. And that's okay. But we must submit to authority, and we must yield to a leadership. We have to be supportive of leadership, and we have to say, yes, I want to do that. Mike Brown said the other day as we were talking about um, premarital counseling and we're trying to develop some things to where I'm not the only one marrying people in this church, doing something where I'm not the only one doing funerals in this church, but we develop an army. And we were talking about the foundational principles of what we believe need to be in the very foundation of every married group. And I said, these are some things. And he said, well, if you want us to, you know, because you know, I'm talking to several people about this. He goes, well, if you want me to stick with a curriculum, I'll do that. But, if you, if, but he wants to ad lib, and he's kind of a freelancer. Anybody knows Mike's a freelancer? <laughs> but there was this yielding and submitting to authority, but if you believe that there's a curriculum that we need to get in every person, then I'm willing to run that play. I'm willing to run that play, even though you would do it a little differently than I would do it. I will yield to that if that's what we decide as a team to do. 
And so he's going to add his flavor. Jeff, Julian, and, and his wife are going to add their flavor because marriages are getting set free in this house. We're going to recapture something with marriages. It's a covenant. We give up our right to quit as we walk together. Can I have an amen on that? And so you have to submit to authority. There's this thing. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know why God put me over this church. I have no clue along with you. I really didn't want it. I really would have preferred to do what I was doing. I could have made a whole lot more money. And I have no clue why he put this bonehead in this church. But I'm telling you, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. Because I tell you, God's called me here and until he moves me on. There is an authority that he's given me, Tom, and other people in this church. It is what it is, and we need to submit to authority. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. And I'm not going to rule over you harshly. I never have. I'm going, to, I'm going to govern with love and mercy. But we have got to move this army and we've got to advance the cause of Christ here and I need your help can I have an amen on that so where are we going with this so if we look to each other's misfits toys we look to everybody's issues I mean I'm sure I'm just sure of it when when little groups get together if you go out to some, with somebody in this church to a movie you're gonna go oh didn't know they had that issue in their life I'm sure when the girls get together in the hot tub, I'm sure there's conversation where it's like, ooh, or why didn't I get invited? Oh, yeah, all that kind of crap happens. Cry me a river. That's just a spirit of rejection trying to eat you alive. Do something about it and have girls over to your place, right? Have guys over to your place. Just be part of the body, right? Huh? Sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. That's great. Nobody asked me to do that. I have no clue what goes on there, okay? I can only imagine, I can only imagine <laughs> what it might be like. Thank God they have a full-piece bathing suit on. I can only imagine. Yeah, praise God. But it's really easy to see people's mistakes. Can I have an amen on that? I talked about several weeks ago, hey, even the world does that. Even sinners can love the lovable. Even sinners can be nice to the people that are nice to them. But boy, when you see the mistakes, take the plank out of your own eye before you start to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Can I have an amen on that? Buddy, we got to start quit looking at the flesh and look at the gold that's really deep inside of me. Deep inside of you, there's a treasure chest. And we've got to begin to pull that out. Man, I'm way off my notes, but this is good stuff. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everybody get your Bibles out, get to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to talk about the body. We're going to talk about the gifts in the body. You got a, you got a handout this, this week. There's a homework in there, and there's, you're going to, the, the notes that I have in your bulletin today is going to help you track with me today. Anybody having fun yet? We're going to do a lot of reading the Scripture today. The Scripture is wonderful. Scriptures are wonderful. Our people are readers. We love to read. Say it, I love to read. My flesh loves to read. <laughs> Line up flesh in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians, and we really got to get this down today. 
The body is a unit. A unit means one. So right now we're getting ready to go. Paul is he's going to give us a metaphor of who we are as a church. This is a metaphor, and he's going to use this lovely graced body that I have of my hands and my feet, my arms and legs, try to get past the outside shell of this man for a moment. But he's going to use a metaphor of our natural body to, to, to give a truth to us about what the body of Christ is to be. Okay? So the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, feet, legs, arms, eyes, toes, nose, right? And though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Jesus Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were given all the one spirit to drink. Now, keep going. Verses 12 through 26. This, this is the whole passage, so instead of having it on one screen, I broke it up. Now, the body is not made up of one part. It's not just made up of a hand. It's just not made up of a nose. Are you glad for that? But of many, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to, oh, I didn't advance. But in fact, God, everybody say God. God. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And if the parts that are unpresentable, we won't go there, sphincter muscle, are treated with special modesty. (laughs) Kidneys. Who wants to be the colon today? (laughs) Those parts that are a little less presentable need to keep hidden. No, I'm just kidding. We need to treat with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Hmm. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there would be no division in the body. See, actually, division comes in the body when we don't value each gift, when we don't treat honorably each gift, when we reject one gift because it's not real presentable or it's not put together right or it's immature or it's immature It hasn't moved from baby bottles to hand grenades. We must treat that a little differently so that there is no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, 
every part suffers. Hmm. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So when one person advances ahead of you, you're actually praising God that somebody advanced instead of being jealous or dishonoring. Imagine that. We actually celebrate when people mature and grow and get advanced in the kingdom over ourselves. So we're not the family that's the crab mentality where we're crabbing to get what we want. Can I have an amen on that? No crabs in this place. Say, I ain't got no crabs. I ain't got no crabs. That's a weird metaphor. We won't go there. Whoa, God help us. For you who are guests today, I'm really sorry. I hope you come back. We love you. We do have a lot of fun here. We do want you to come back. But I am going to get to that too. I'm going to talk about that, you guessed. Because we are really blessed. Every week we have two, three, four, five guests. Every week. Most churches don't see guests for a year. And really, I want to encourage you to take this passage out of 1 Corinthians, and I want you to read it this week. The whole chapter. Because I'm not even able to unpack all of the richness that's in this scripture. I'm not able to even begin to do half of it. Because where I want to go is in the part of we are raising up. Here's what I want to say is your part is essential. Who you are. You have a redemptive gift that only you have. For those that don't believe it, I'm going to say it again. Everyone in this room has a redemptive gift. And 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit. That's on your list. That's that first list that I made. And each one of you have a gift. Each one of you are a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Do you realize that? And we cannot, we cannot accomplish our mission without you. I have got to have the peace that you are. Most people just don't have a clue of the peace that they are. And we have to discover what piece of the puzzle are you. What part of the expression of the body of Christ are you? Are you a hand? Are you something that everybody's going to see? Or are you behind the pretty shirt you got to figure out what part you are and so in 1st Corinthians 12 it goes over the nine manifestations of the gifts or five nine manifestations of the spirit if you look on your notes that we turned in those I gave them to you word of knowledge there are people in this church with the gift of the word of knowledge there are people here who have the word of wisdom. There are people here with the gift of faith. There are people here with gifts of healing. Can I have an amen? There are people here who are workers of miracles. 
There are people here who prophesy. There are people here with the gifts of the discernment of spirits. Tongues and the interpretation of tongues, that's all in that first part of chapter 12. And then Paul goes later in that chapter, and then he even breaks down more gifts that are your second list, and he talks about some other gifts. He talks about apostles, he talks about prophets and teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, ministry of helps, the gifts of administration or government. And again, he talks about tongues, and so some of these are overlapping in these gifts. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share with you some of the gifts, and this, this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts. But I hope that you'll take this list home and you'll go, okay, God, there's a list here. Let's throw a dart at it, and which one am I? <laughs> no, you could do that. But we need to be praying over these lists and saying, God, who am I? What I find in the body of Christ, that's why we have the gift of prophecy, because sometimes prophecy comes forth and says, this is who you are. You are a pastor. He may prophesy over you and go, ministry, 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 ministry. Hmm, what does that mean? He may say, you're a prophet. And it may come prophetically. It may come by trial and error. As it is very difficult to move move a ship and to turn a ship that is not moving. So if you're the ship and you're docked in your bay doing nothing, you will probably never discover the gift that you are but if you're moving if you're trying if you're trying to obey the word of the Lord for your life and you're moving God can give you correctional changes and he can steer your ship and 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 declare to you who you are yes and then there is times where myself Tom or another leader might just might share or see the gift of God that's in you but most people rely just on that waiting for me to discover the gift, to give them the opportunity to operate in that gift. And I say, how can I do that with 150 people? Think about that. If I had to come to every one of you and say, this is what you are, how is that possible? So who does the responsibility lay on to discover the gift that you are? Who? 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 You've got to discover who you are. And you discover who you are by discovering the one you serve. As I devote myself to him and I see the beauty of his holiness, I begin to see who I am. Man, when I was at the bank, I was shepherding tellers. I was shepherding, I was shepherding people in their finances as I was making loans. Dude, I was doing the work of the ministry right in the bank. I was discovering my gift. You know when I first started preaching the word of God? Do you remember it, Karen? Union Chapel Ministries up in Muncie. We were at Ball State University, and we were teaching kindergartners. I was teaching Pastor Greg Paris's little, little child. I can't remember. It was a boy. I think it was a girl. I think it was a boy. I can't remember. Aaron. I think it was Aaron. 
These little five-year-olds came in week after week. Nobody in the church knew who Karen and I were. We were just serving back in children's ministry, coming up with lessons, preaching the word of God in their form. I love what Pastor Lynn Furrow said. I love it. Appreciate him so much. <laughs> he said, when I was called to preach the gospel, he said, I went to my pastor, let me preach, let me preach. He said, okay. He said, go to the nursing home and start preaching. He said, go to the nursing home and start preaching. He said, I went to the nursing home and I started preaching. I cut my teeth on some silver hair. And man, they are forgotten, lovely people. They're a forgotten people. And I say, if you're called to preach, you don't wait for this pulpit to open up. You do it in whatever form, whether it's helping children, caring in children's ministry or Flip 180 or youth or whatever. Go to the street corner and say, hey! <laughs> Find out what gift you are. It's through trial and error. But it's your responsibility. Can't have an amen on that. Let's look at another passage out of Romans. Romans chapter 12 talks about the gifts as well. Are you guys getting this? Is it helping you? I'm glad it's helping five of you. Okay, Romans 12 at 12 o'clock. Hallelujah. <laughs> we have different gifts. We have different gifts. We all have different gifts. And according to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. According to the grace given us. You see, God has given you as a gift to this body. You're actually a gift. I would love to go down through the seven gifts that are called out here. You have them on your piece of paper with you there. There are seven more gifts, some of them overlapping with the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Again, these are not exhaustive lists. How many realize that if we were to list every part in our natural body, the list would be amazingly long? These lists should just help you a little bit, kind of begin to steer your ship in a direction of serving. You know, we're all called to serve. But here's the de deal. If you'll remember back in Romans chapter 12, it says that God gives those gifts as he determines. Do you remember that? And then in this passage, we're reading again that the gifts of who we are are based upon the gift that he gave. He's, he's the one who is giving you as a gift, right? 
Again, in, in Ephesians 4.11, there's another list of five gifts. And these are called the equipping gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So we got all these lists in front of you just to help you. I want you to take that list home to begin to discover and ask and pray and seek the Lord. That's your homework to find out what gift am I. And you may have to talk to your connect group leader. Or you might have to talk to your husband or your wife or other people around you. Say, hey, what gift do you see that I am? Because here's what I want to go. That's the question I want to ask. Three questions. What part are you? In this house, in this mission, we are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation. And my question to you today, and I hope you'll write this down, what part am I? I don't expect you to be Karen's part, I don't expect you to be Chad's, I don't expect you to be somebody else's part. I want you to ask the Lord this week, what part am I? I find in the body of Christ, most people like to be the gift that is most noticed. Most people like to be the gift that is seen because it seems of greater value. So many times the gift of preaching or teaching seems to be the most honored gift in the house of God because it is valued highly. But here's the mistake in that. back up if we all preach and teach well, then where is the gift of serving where is the gift of encouraging where is the gift contribution to the needs of others where is leadership where is all this other stuff within the body of Christ and what David did what I love about the story of David when he was anointed king over Israel David went to slay Goliath. The giants that we prophesied about this morning that were coming down. One, two, three, four, giant hit the floor. David was anointed king over Israel, but it should have been Jonathan. If you're going based upon the tradition of Israel, the son of Saul should have been the king. And Jonathan should have been the rightful heir of the throne. But God, as he determined, put a different man in authority. And he put David, the son of a shepherd. I mean, he was a shepherd boy. He put him and anointed him as king over Israel. And when David went to slay the giant, they tried to get him to put the authority of Saul on him. They tried to get him to put the armor of Saul on and say, go defeat the giant with Saul's armor. And David, in his 15 to 16-year-old wisdom, because he was a young man after the heart of God, said, no, I'm not going to use his armor. I've got my own. 
I'm a redemptive gift for the glory of God, and I'm going to sling my stone, and I'm going to do it the way the Lord has trained me. Winger. And your gift, your redemptive gift is needed in the body of Christ. I've got to have you. We've got to have you in your lane, in your vein, whatever you want to call it. If it's healing, then get in the healing vein. But in that healing vein, by God, go back to the children and teach them about healing. If your vein is the Holy Ghost, then go back there. Go to Flip. Go everywhere in this place and raise up a radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And teach and equip and raise this generation up. If you're the sphincter muscle, then go tighten up. And teach the kids back there how to tighten up. If it's dancing a jig, then dance a jig. Oh, glory. So what part are you? What part are you? Don't settle for sauce. Be you. And be the best you that you is. I know that's not proper English. I graduated college, but I know that's not proper, but be you. Here's another passage. 1 Peter 4, 9 says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its different forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Whatever gift you have received, use it to serve others, not yourself. That's powerful scripture, by the way. So, Who are you? The second question I want to ask you guys today, and we're going to finish up here. Are you called here and sent by God to New Covenant Worship Center? I think there's several in this house that need to come to a real resolution if you're called here. I really do. I think there's some with one foot in and one foot out. I think some people have an exit plan or strategy in case things don't go down the way they want it to go. And the reason I'm asking this, and this is a powerful question, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, it said that God sets in the body as he determines. He He sends you here. He sends you to where you're to plant your seed. The Bible says that your seed, the gift, the the redemptive gift that you are, unless that seed of who you are is planted in this ground or the ground he's called you to, and it dies, it will abide alone. 
And so you are a redemptive gift. You are a seed that needs to be planted somewhere. You really don't have the choice to church hop. You really don't have the choice. It's really not your choice. It's really not you who determines where you go to church. And we think it is. We think it's our money. We think it's our time. And my children need this. My children need that. I promise you, if you're planted where you're supposed to be, your children will get what they need or your whatever needs will be met. Because the Bible says in, in Matthew 6, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added. You will have that stuff that you need. But you got to seek the kingdom. And the kingdom says, I plant you. You don't have a choice in it. Sorry. You really don't have a choice. You can either choose to submit to God and what he wants for your life, or you can choose not. So when guests come to our church, what do we always say? Mike said it from the, hey, if this church isn't the right place for you, if it's not the right fit, we want to help you find the one that is. Why? Because if you're not supposed to be here, you're going to cause a lot of trouble. And not only are you going to cause a lot of trouble, you're not going to mature, and you're not going to become the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. So are you called here? Have you been sent by God? Are you part of this body? And are you a hand, a foot, a toe, a nose, an eye? What are you? And I want to tell this, guys, we need more connect group leaders. We need more children's ministry workers. We need more outreach. We need more everything, every ministry you can imagine to help raise up this next generation. And if you have a burden in your heart, you have something you feel led of the Lord to do, you need to let us know. Don't wait on me. You may be waiting for a long time. I love how people come to me and say, I feel led to do this. What do you think? Well, let's talk about it. We meet with them. We talk about strategy. We talk about things that are in our heart and leadership as the church and where we feel like God's taking us. How does that fit in the overall vision and mission of this house? But if you come to me and you say, I really want a basket weaving class. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with raising up the next generation. I'm going to say, I think first basket weaving assemblies church on 5th Street is doing that. <laughs> and that's, I'm not really making fun of that because every person has that gift is needed somewhere else and we need to get the people and we need to funnel them where they need to be can i have an amen i'm really not trying to make fun of anybody's ministry because we realize ministries are going to come in here they're going to land they're going to take off we're going to have churches in other nations we're going to have churches in other cities we're going to have people who go all over the place from this place I'm telling you, we're going to have a worship CD. We're going to have a CD that doesn't just affect this, this, this house. We're going to have a worship CD. I'm telling you, we're going to have one. And those songs are going to be sung that have come from this house. 
We're going to have other minstrels raised up here. If you're a minstrel, hey, just because we have a process to take people through the minstrel, don't throw away the process just because you want to be on the worship team right now. Can you submit to authority? Can you yield to the process? What that does is you find out what's in your heart because there's also an issue in this house and in every house of rebellion. People want what they want and they want it when they want it. And God always tests us with imperfect authority. And I promise you, if you stay here long enough at New Covenant, you will find that myself and Tom and others, I know it's hard to believe, but we're imperfect. I hate to tell you, I hate to break the news. Pastor Eric is not perfect. Ask my children. I feel sorry for Brandy who came down this weekend with Joel. She found that, wow, this family is weird. Are you sure you lead a church? (laughs) Now, I'm not sinning and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I do overeat. (laughs) We won't go there. I love Jesus. Are you called here? And the third question I want to ask you is, are you helping us raise up the next generation we have a few that maybe not be helping and are you helping us raise up a radical passionate aggressive lovers of god and people from the next generation the question really is is are you being a spiritual father and a spiritual mother in this house you if we're in this together we are in this together are you helping us with this mission Because the word raise up means this, to raise, to lift up or move someone to a higher position or level. Who are you helping to elevate? Who are you helping to increase their level or their strength or their spiritual maturity in the Lord? Who are you building up and erecting or setting in motion? Who are you helping to grow? Are you breeding new life here? Are you a complainer that's actually bringing down the house? Are you here Are you promoting the growth in someone else? So three questions. What part am I? Am I called here by God? And am I helping to raise up the next generation? Here's where we can help each other. And here's where I see it all the time. We're we're in ranks. I'm going to end up. we're, We're close. We're in our ranks, and we're going through the gorge. And we start to see the shortcomings and the immaturity of the body of Christ. And it's here. Can we say, yes, it's here. Every one of us are immature in our walk with God in some aspect. And so, what ends up happening, I see Clayton. Clayton, I'm sorry I'm not picking on you. This did not happen. This is a hypothetical thing. Okay, so don't throw him under the bus, just because I am. (laughs) So Clayton gets offended by something I say. This has not happened. And he goes, and he comes to Sean, and he says, oh, I just can't believe. Gosh, can you believe the leadership's doing this? They are a bunch of weirdos, you know? Oh, yeah. Sean goes, yeah, dude, I hear you. I think the same thing. <laughs> I can't believe Alger did that. I just, I mean, can you believe? <laughs> and if he's going to be a spiritual father, he's going to be part of the mission here. His goal is to now raise Clayton up. Clayton, there's a higher truth. 
Clayton, do you realize that Matthew 18 says that if you have a problem with your brother, that you're not to actually come to me. But, but Clayton, I'm going to pull you up higher. That the word of God actually says you're to go to them in private and say, man, when you did that, it, I felt rejected. I felt hurt. I felt like you, you totally overlooked me. Oh, I'm so sorry, Clayton. Dear God, that's not the way I want to make you feel. What did I do that made you feel that? <laughs> Should be obvious to you. <laughs> but guess what? It's not obvious to me. It's not obvious to you. None of us hurt people because we want to. None of us do that. If you do, we need, we, have, we need to take some demons out. <laughs> if you're hurting people on purpose, you've got some issues. If you can't control your mouth, you have issues. And there's freedom from that. No condemnation. We'll help get you free. But the jo job of a house, of a family, of an army, pulling people up, He's now participated in the mission of raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God because he's showing Clayton how he needs to mature in his love and not look to the shortcomings of his brother, but to look after the spirit and not the flesh. Are you a part of that process? Are you part of the spiritual fathering and mothering of this house? My question is, is are we really in this together? I think we are. But I think some of us need to really come to a greater level of, am I going to be a part? So the first four words of the passage in our mission statement, we are raising up. We. So part of our mission is it is part of you. Is I'm calling this church to a higher place. I'm calling this church that we have got to be part of the solution rather than being part of the problem. And will you ask those three questions? Number one, what part am I? Discover it. Seek it. Ask the Lord. Get people involved. What was it that you loved to do when you were a kid? Before you got all corrupted. Oh, man, I can remember at church. It's no, I know, time's short. I can remember as a kid, man, when kids would get bullied or hurt, man, I was there. I was there to help. I was an encourager. I was a counselor. I was, I was a builder up of children even then. That gift was in me. It's from my mother's womb before that. That redemptive gift was in me if I would have never gotten born again. I'm sorry, Marilyn Manson, he's an evangelist, dude. He's just doing it on the wrong side. All of you, you've been given a gift by your Heavenly Father before you were even conceived. What gift are you? Are you called to this house? And will you be a part of raising up this generation? Man, man let's link arms, guys. Let's not let disunity come. <coughs> let's not let disunity come. When you see something that's... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. When you see something that you don't completely agree with, say, praise God. That must be a piece of the puzzle that I'm not. And I need to learn from you. I need to see, I need to draw from the gold that's in you or what you're teaching or what you're saying. And I need to say, wow, God, is there something I need to learn from that? That's unity. That's being in it together. Can I have an amen on that? Yeah. 
Does that bear witness with everybody? Amen. Let's stand up. Praise God. You've been very patient with me. Well, a good word is this, and I will say this, Tina. A good word is a word that people will take home, chew on, and get into, and allow the word of God to change their life. That's a good word. And the good word has to go beyond the preaching and declaration of it today. And now the application of this word, you need to take this word home, and you need to look on that, that process of asking who you are, and you need to start asking yourself those powerful questions. And as we start to break down our mission statement even further, I believe God's going to bring some real powerful revelation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you, God, that uh, this church is a combination of many gears. I thank you for that vision that Bruce had, that there were many, many gears. And each gear operates with another gear and that gear connects to another gear and that gear connects to another gear god you're giving us a metaphor through the body of what we are to become and who we are and i just pray as we continue to unpack the mission of this house i thank you for sending others i thank you god that you're bringing guests that you're bringing people to link arms with us you're sending them here you said you were going to bring them from out of state you said you're going to bring them for far away you said you're going to bring them from the north, south, east, and the west. We've got people from Russia already. We've got people from other towns and cities. Minnesota. <laughs> You've sent them already. You've already given us a, a Gideon's army of many. And I thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given to this house. But Lord, we know you're raising up an army. Not just a family, but an army. An army that'll be together. An army that'll be side by side, arm in arm. And each point, each part will reflect something different of the nature of Jesus. Whether that is faith, whether that's the power of the Spirit, whether that's signs and wonders or healings or miracles, or whether that's servanthood. Or where that sacrifice or the sufferings of Christ. That God, we will embrace and we will see the need that we have of each other to become the body that is one. Father, be with us. Lord, I thank you for our guests and I pray your blessing on them as you deal with their hearts, as you draw them closer to you. Would you reveal yourself and your nature? And may they know whether they are called here or not. So we bless you, guests. We bless you. We thank you for celebrating the precious God that we serve together. May you be blessed. And God, may you bless your people today. Seal this word in our hearts. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, will you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you.